Let us pray. Lord, open our hearts and minds by the power of your Holy Spirit, that as the scriptures we are read and your word proclaimed, we may hear with joy what you say to us today. Amen. This scripture reading comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 10, verse 25 through 37. Just then a lawyer stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life, he said to him. What is written in the law? What do you read there, he answered. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have given the right answer. Do this and you will live. But wanting to justify himself, he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, a man going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell into the hands of robbers who stripped him, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. Now by chance a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he, pa he passed by on the other side. So likewise a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Sam Samaritan, while traveling, came near him, and when he saw him, he was moved with pity, and went to him and bandaged his wounds, having poured oil and wine on them. Then he put him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said, Take care of him, and when I come back, I will repay you whatever more you spend. Which, is, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into hands of the robbers? He said to him, The one who showed mercy. Jesus said to him, Go and do likewise. This is the word of the Lord. Let's celebrate our children again for leading us in worship today. Um, I know at 11, sometimes you see after the kids do stuff in worship, a whole bunch of people leave. Um, and uh, it's not because the kids don't want to be here in worship. It's because some of them have already been here one or two or three times already this weekend. So um, be grateful that they were able to stay here through part of this service too. But um, I hate that they're not here through the whole thing, but that's, you know, we only have so much uh, patience and ability to, to sit, sit also. So before I begin, I want to note that in your bulletin, there's an insert. It looks like this on one side and like this on the other side. Um, there's some opportunities there for you to reflect throughout the message if you want, either in words or in drawing or both. Um, if you know how to do both, by all means, you can do that. Um, and I would love, kids, I would love to see some of your pictures afterwards of what you draw about this story. Okay, will you pray with me? Gracious God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts gathered here be acceptable and pleasing in your sight. Thank you for being our rock and our redeemer. Amen. We've heard this Bible story before, right? In fact, we heard a different version of it earlier in worship when, when the children joined me on the steps and we read, Who is my neighbor? I know that sometimes when I'm familiar with something, I can have a tendency to pay less attention because I think I already know what it's about. I'm sure you don't do that, but I do that sometimes. And I hope today that we can all give our full attention to this story because something else I hope you know or will soon learn is that scripture is alive. 
It's the living word of God and not a static historical document. So no matter how many times we've heard it, the scripture continues to speak, intersecting in the context in which it was written historically with our modern context, our current events, the things that are happening in our personal lives. And though the words of scripture and the truths within scripture do not change, we can receive and understand scripture differently at different points in our lives. Because scripture is not bound by what we already know or by what we've already experienced. Rather, it's unbound by the Holy Spirit. And I put on my listening ears as I prepared to preach this familiar story, and I heard some new things that I hadn't heard before. And I hope that you'll put on your listening ears with me as I share those things with you and the message that the Holy Spirit has given to me. I hope when we read this book earlier that you enjoyed it. Um, I love the way that it brings the story of the Good Samaritan to life in a different context that many of us can maybe more easily relate to than the historical setting on the Jericho Road that this text is written in. And I'm going to take some time and think side by side about this book as well as about our scripture today. In the first part of the Bible story, the lawyer is trying to test Jesus by asking him what he must do to inherit eternal life. But Jesus turns the question back on the lawyer, asking him what he reads in the law, the Torah. The lawyer says, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus says, You've given the right answer. Do this and you will live. And next, the lawyer asks who his neighbor is, presumably looking for limits on who to love and who not to love. And Jesus responds with a story about a man who was attacked and left on the side of the road. Now, the story about the Jericho Road may not seem familiar because it was set in a land far away a very long time ago. And maybe the story about Midnight Blue falling off his bike is easier for you to relate to. Or maybe you want to think about people in the world today. Uh, maybe, maybe one of these people tugs at your heart as someone who is in need, either physically and or emotionally in some way, or you can think of someone else, someone you know or, or someone that you've seen. Jesus' point was not how the man was hurt or what type of help he needed. It was that he was in great need of help from another person. So imagine that maybe one of these people or um, someone that you can think of needs help. Imagine that as we think about the Bible story again. In the Bible story, both a priest and a Levite, and a Levite is a helper in the temple, they see the man who needs help and they pass him by. The scripture doesn't tell us why they pass by. Popular interpretation has suggested that they were concerned about becoming impure or maybe that they were in a hurry to get to their temple duties. And, and perhaps either of those is true, but there may be other reasons. And there may be other reasons, especially because in Jewish tradition, saving a life always takes priority over purity regulations. So imagine that you are on your way somewhere. You're on your way and you encounter someone who needs help. What goes through your mind? Maybe it's your busy schedule, or maybe that you'll get dirty, or that you'll get sick or be harmed in some other way from helping. But our story about the blues and the yellows gets at what I think might be most true for me in this circumstance and what have might, might have been true for the priest and or the Levite, fear. 
Let's dig into this. We don't get to hear about the internal dialogue of the priest and the Levite, but we do get to hear it from the blues. The first blue to come by after Midnight Blue Falls is Navy, who wonders, maybe someone made Midnight Blue fall, and maybe that person is still around. The next blue to come by is Powder Blue, who wonders, did Midnight Blue get in a fight? Is the other person still around? Navy and Powder Blue were scared for their own well-being. Have you experienced this? I know I have, and sometimes it's even kept me from helping others. Fear is a very powerful emotion, and don't hear me saying that we should deny or ignore our fears. That would be unwise, because fear is healthy. It keeps us safe. Fear is really important, and it's okay to feel afraid, and it's good to pay attention when we feel fearful. But sometimes our fear can keep us too safe. By too safe, I mean that when our fear keeps us from loving and having compassion on others, are we safe in God's hands or are we so safe that we're not living as God intends? Let's see what our story has to say about that. The third person to come by was Lemon. And when Lemon comes, we learn that Midnight Blue, the blue who was hurt, is scared too. He thinks, oh no, a yellow, a yellow will only make things worse. Maybe this yellow will steal my books. Midnight Blue is scared of the stereotypes that he's heard about yellows. Then we learn that Lemon is scared too. Lemon wonders if Midnight Blue isn't really hurt and instead wants to trick her and steal her bike. Again, fear of the stereotypes that Lemon has heard about blues. But Lemon decides to help anyways. Lemon acknowledges her fear and digs deep down to find compassion. She takes a risk to stop and help even though she's afraid of helping a blue, even though she wonders if this blue will steal her bike. I think she knew that she wasn't alone and that God was with her. Both Lemon and the Samaritan in our Bible story are able to consider not only the question of what will happen to me, but also the question of if I do not stop to help, what will happen to this person. What happens next in the story? Well, like the Samaritan in our Bible story who puts the hurt man on his own animal and carries him to an inn to care for him, Lemon helps Midnight Blue onto her bike and takes him to her own doctor. And there, in spite of their fear and trepidation about interacting with the other, Midnight Blue and Lemon share food together, literally broken and bruised Food, like the body of Christ that we receive in communion when we worship with one another in community. And this sharing of food draws them together. They discover that they like one another's food. Midnight Blue meets more yellows and decides that once you get to know them, yellows aren't so bad after all. Lemon and Midnight Blue decide to be friends. They don't look the same or come from the same neighborhood. They don't have the same perspective on the world. But an act of love brought them together. In spite of Lemon's fear and regardless of the stereotypes that Lemon has been taught about blues, about who to associate with and who to help, and not only do they become friends, they become evangelists for overcoming the stereotypes their respective groups have about the other. All of this occurred because two people developed a personal relationship 
born out of acknowledging fear and still taking a risk out of compassion for another person. Returning to the Bible story, we don't hear about the outcome of the story with the hurt man and the Samaritan who stopped to help. And the outcome, I don't think, is Jesus' point, although I very much appreciate the imaginative outcome in our story about the blues and the yellows. But I think Jesus' point was that the one who stopped to help was a Samaritan. Those listening to this story when Jesus told it were Jews. The priest and the Levite were Jews. They would have expected the hero of the story to be a Jew. But Jesus surprises them with a Samaritan, an enemy of the Jews, who acts out of compassion even when the Jews in the story did not. Who would you least like to be the hero of this story? I suspect we can all think of an other who we would rather not associate with, a person or group of people who offends us or what we stand for. Consider that person as the hero of this story. What does it feel like? Do you consider that person your neighbor? Let's remember the question that the lawyer asked before the story. Who is my neighbor? The answer he was looking for was a noun, a simple who. But Jesus rarely answers questions directly, so he tells a story. And he turns the question back on the lawyer, asking him, Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The lawyer says, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. Jesus doesn't answer with a noun, a simple who. He he turns neighbor into a verb, into an action, being a neighbor. So what can we conclude from this story about who our neighbor is? seems that everyone is our neighbor, including our enemies and those we would rather not associate with. And how can we be a neighbor? By sharing God's love with everyone we meet, by showing mercy and compassion like the Samaritan did, even if the person we meet is other to us. Let's return to the blues and the yellows for a minute. As you think about your own life, about your community, your neighborhood, your church, do you notice any similarities to the blues and the yellows behavior at the beginning of the story? What group or groups do you find yourself in? And who is other to you or to your group? As you think about that, listen to these words from a sermon preached more than 20 years ago by Barbara Brown Taylor, one of my favorite spiritual leaders. Um, It's called The Company of Strangers, and um, when you hear this, you might think what I did, which is perhaps that's even more relevant for today. In a world that grows scarier every day, many of us have retreated to well-defended private lives. We sort ourselves into tribes who are suspicious of other tribes, and quite often we go to war with one another, either overtly or covertly. The strangers we meet must either be kept out of our lives or made like us, which wreaks havoc with our public life. The endless variety of humankind becomes a threat, not a blessing, and the whole body suffers. The church is not immune to this sort of thing, but we know better. We believe better. We believe in a Lord who cares for the stranger and who comes to us as a stranger, 
reminding us over and over again that while he is with us, he does not belong to us. In the church, we are dared to believe that it is God who makes us a community and not we ourselves, and that our differences are God's best tools for opening us up to the truth that is bigger than we are. I'm grateful to the blues and to the yellows for opening us up to the truth that is bigger than we are. The truth that is found within this familiar Bible story, this living, breathing word of God that even though familiar can still make us uncomfortable with its truth sometimes. I know it made me uncomfortable in some ways as I prepared to preach this sermon this week. As we enter this season of Lent this week, my prayer is that we won't forget this story, but that we'll keep it in mind as we think about how God is calling us to observe Lent and prepare our hearts for Easter. My prayer is that um, we will choose to do something that draws us closer to God. So if giving up something, something like junk food or, or something else draws you closer to God, then do that. That doesn't usually work for me, um, so I'll choose to do something else. And you might consider, um, if that doesn't work for you either, you might consider taking on a practice that might help you draw closer to the heart of God, something that will help you to become more like Jesus. You might consider practicing being a neighbor, however God is calling you to do that in your life right now. And as we close, let us all remember the, the words that we heard from our children's choirs this, singing, they, this morning as they were singing. They brought us a good word. They, they sang, doing what's right isn't always easy, but it's always, always right. Telling the truth, building for God, following Jesus, showing love for all, healing the earth, working for change, welcoming children, seeing good in all. Doing what's right isn't always easy, but it's always, always right. That's so true. Doing what's right isn't always easy, and sometimes it can even be scary. Travel with snacks, it might help. It might help you relate to someone else who worked for, for um, Midnight Blue and Lemon. You never know when you might make a new friend who can change how you see the world. Let us pray. God of grace, we know that we are imperfect as individuals and as a community. We do not live our lives and love others as you intend. We ask that you make us uncomfortable with our divisions. Help us to acknowledge our fear and take compassionate risks in the name of love. Draw us together as a community to serve and love one another and lead us out from here to be neighbors to everyone we meet. Enable us to love others as you love them, whoever they are and wherever they are, because we know that you love them first. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.